sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. I think we should give a better hand than we did. We thank God. Bishop Fabian, thank you. Shall we pray? Father, you are the epitome of all wisdom. We ask for your light. We ask for your leading. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lead us into the mind of Christ as we have it in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Andy, thank you so much for that wonderful word. I want to encourage all of us to get the book, Treat Me Well. Even the title is encouraging. And so I believe that the Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. Every day you are buying things that won't take you far. You are buying clothes, meat pie, domedo, things that just help your body, but don't help your spirit. So let's do the right thing. Amen. I was envisaging that with all that you have been taught, the questions should be fewer. Anyway, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20, hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Amen. Amen. So hearing is one thing and receiving is also another. So we hear counsel, we receive instruction and if we receive it, it means we also walk in it. Then our latter end, that means the outcome of everything will be God's way. Even when you are married to an unbeliever, God sends you a certain grace, and God still sends rain on you. Amen. Amen. Please, Bishop, Bishop Faber, this is your question. I want to find out whether it's very, a very good decision to build and stay married in my father's house for a short while, and later find a new and good accommodation outside home. Bishop, is it advisable to marry a lady with a low level of education or a graduate? So that question is to you, Bishop Faye. Aunt Mami, I think probably they didn't get it right. It's to you, actually. Ah, <laughs> the Christian home. <laughs> You said don't stay in your father's house, go out. So now, based on what you preached, he's asking you. <laughs> well, the Bible says for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Amen. Amen. I have always wondered why the leaving is on the man's side. Because the Bible says specifically, a man shall leave his mother and his father. So the leaving begins with the man because he has to provide the home. So he will leave his father and his mother and the wife naturally is supposed to follow you to where you are going. So the first leaving responsibility is with the man. And I think that the Bible has some wisdom there because when you are marrying 
you will make many mistakes. It's like the building of anything and any new thing. It's not that in later years you don't make mistakes, but in the foundation stages, the marriage is more fragile, you know? And I believe that you need space to grow up together, space for your wife's too not to be nice, space for you to make certain mistakes and correct them. But when there's a third party, and often the third party is you, your family, or even the wife's family, there's a lot of intrusion and interference, and it doesn't help the marriage to have a good environment. So God in his wisdom says we should leave. You see, I have done a lot of counseling. Some mothers-in-law, a lady I knew, she was staying in her husband's house. On Sunday, the mother-in-law cooks soup and fufu, but he, she makes only one. And she brings it to the son. And it's like the wife is not part of it. And then, even though her son had married, in the evening she would come and say, oh, I have control made there, don't you want... Because she's probably used to feeding her son. So he will also, out of politeness, leave the wife's food and go and eat the mother's food. Then that will also bring a problem. Now, you also sometimes forget that your mother has been at it practicing for 30 years. And your wife just came. So she may not be as good as your mother. So she needs that breathing space to develop. And we are no wiser than God. So I would encourage you to do something about it. Sometimes, of course, you may be on the same compound, but the house is somewhere else. Even that, sometimes it may be a bit nosy, but wisdom can prevail. But you say that it's for a very short while. So I want to believe God that it is really for a short while. But it is necessary for the marriage to grow properly. Amen. Amen. What was the second thing he said? Uh, 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 can you marry a woman? He said a woman of low-level education. Well, if you are willing to invest in her, she will become a better person, and she will grow. My, my mother was better educated than my father, but my father was richer than my mother. And, uh, but I think that they made a good pair, and they grew up well, and I think that my father invested a lot to even make my mother better, like Reverend Andy was saying, you know. So yes, level of education may come in because maybe even your interests and your appreciation of things, may, there may be a stark difference between that. But I feel that education is not always wisdom. Because some women are well-educated, but they are foolish women, like Job said. And some women are not well-educated, but you can invest in her and bring her up. Instead of saying, I want something already made, and she may have other virtues that are stronger than education. And with time, she can still be a better educator. And education is not only formal, because some people go to university, but the university did not enter them. Do you see? So it depends on, and also whether you can honor her for who she is. But if you look down on her, you don't appreciate who she is, then please, somebody's daughter, leave her in peace and pray that God will send somebody who will honor her, appreciate her, and invest in her. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um. Please, how can I do well as a wife, mother, and a branch pastor, and still be a loving wife? (laughs) I think we have a chapter in the marriage manual called The Total Wife. And one of the things it says is that you have to prioritize. You have to delegate what you have to delegate. You have to plan properly and all that because you wear many hats. You know, so you have to prioritize. What comes first? Your home is important. You don't leave a sink full of dirty dishes and you are casting out demons in choco. The Bible says in Proverbs 11:1, a false balance is an abomination to God. 
So you have to balance properly. In this hectic and what a fast-paced world, it's not easy, but it is possible. I always say that the, even the virtuous woman, she had maidens who helped her. Amen? So we all have labor-saving devices also. And so we need help. But it's not everything you should delegate. You should not be like Sarah, who delegated her sexual duties to Hagar. Sometimes you delegate so much that when we come to the house, we don't know who is the wife. And you become like Sarah and Hagar. Remember that um, Rachel gave Jacob Zilpah, or vice versa, and then uh, Leah gave Jacob Belhah. You know, you, you, you are exchanging your duties. And you say, you know, I can't do it, or I have a problem in this area. So you, the house help, step in. And when we do that, we put our marriages at risk. So I will say that as a lady pastor, a branch pastor, I think that you and I will have similar challenges, isn't it? And um, it is putting God first and always your relationship with God, I believe, is what gives me strength. Otherwise, you become very weak. But when you fellowship with God, he strengthens you and he helps you for what lies ahead. Then he also gives you grace and wisdom. So you plan. If you have to plan a menu for the week, plan it. Not that you don't plan, then Wednesday you come and say, hey, baby, I need fuel. Hey, I forgot everything. Once in a while it's allowed. But when it's chronic, it's a problem. You know? Like uh, Bishop Fabian said, the woman who pounded the fufu and said, I did that counseling and I couldn't believe it. Do you see? I have gone to a home where the husband was so distressed because the lady said that she had asked him for a gas cooker and the husband said he was saving to buy it. So when I went that evening, it just happened that the lady had cooked for herself, but just enough for herself and she had eaten it. And then she had a glass of Gary and four cubes of sugar. I can mention their names here. And then the husband said, it's very good you've worked here. The Holy Ghost brought you. This is my evening food. I've come from work. This is my food. You know, so like Reverend Andy said, Christianity is just mere Christianity. So I think that you should sit down, you should plan, you should see where you need help. And then also know that you can't do everything. I know my limitations. I always say my husband preaches, serve God, do the work of God, and I do it. But it doesn't mean that when he comes home, he's going to eat the work of God. Or then when he comes home, everything is okay. You see, when we first got married, for me, by the grace of God, cooking is not a problem. But when we first got married, my husband will have a powerful miracle, seven, slaying and all that, and I'll think that, oh, the way God has moved, when we go home, he won't eat all. It's not that I don't have food, though, but I feel that the Spirit of God has moved so much that... <laughs> but that is when he needs more ministration than you know about. So please, there are things that others can do for you and you can oversee. There are things that you can get help for, especially even as a branch pastor. There are things that you have to do administratively that you can create a team. There are things that I do like protocol. I have a huge group of volunteers. So when you stand, you look like a superwoman. But what it is, is a lot of people are undergirding you. So seek to have a balance. Don't be a superwoman. And I believe that God will give you grace. Amen. Even today, before I come here, I know what is being eaten in my house. And I know what I asked. And I know what I put in place. So you see me, you say, oh, Lady Reverend is answering, because something has been done before I'm standing here. Amen. So may God give us grace to be balanced. Can a divorced Christian woman marry again or shall be considered adultery? I think that 
there are areas in the Bible that says that a divorced person must not marry again because if she marries or he marries, he is committing adultery. But at the same time, there's another place in 1 Corinthians 7 that says that if, for instance, you are married to an unbeliever and he be pleased to dwell with you, you dwell with him. But if he sets you free, the Bible says you are not bound. So I would say that that area, it is said to be a gray area sometimes, but there are many verses that also say you are not bound, you are free. If you were living with a person, you were doing your best, the person says, I'm going, what do you do? Up to today, I, I continue to discuss with my husband what that verse means. I say it means you are not bound. He says he's not sure it means that, so... I won't pretend I have all the answers, but I think the Bible is quite clear on that. My parents have lived together for more than 20 years with two children, but the relationship is broken and my mom wants to leave. What should they do? They should go to their pastor and receive counsel from him. And you should also maybe talk to them. Lady Reverend, you talk about the law of acceptance, the key. It's not a law, it's a key. I got married about four years ago. We have sex, but it's not regular, like once a week. But since we got married, my husband doesn't, ah, since we got married, but since we got married, my husband doesn't like kissing me. I've tried all, but never. So what do I have to do? Do I have to accept it? For now, you may have to accept it. But I think communication. You see, couples don't want to talk about sex. But you must be open. The man was naked. The woman was naked. They were not ashamed. So you must talk to him. So what makes kissing so averse for you? Maybe he's a typical African man. And it's just not part of his makeup. You know, I told you yesterday, somebody told the beloved, call me baby. You see, some people... The upbringing is different. So why don't you have a frank discussion with him? And then maybe, and often, it will help both of you to know what to do. And failing all, you can have pastoral care. You can go and see your marriage counselor. My husband had an affair with a lady, and the girl got pregnant and had a baby girl. My, my husband pleaded, and I forgave him. Later... I heard the girl was pregnant again for him. <laughs> Meanwhile, we have three kids already. Please, Lady Reverend, what should I do now? I am part of this church. If your husband is part of this church, you must bring him on the clinic day. Okay? But I think that he needs some talking to, and you also have to Ask God for wisdom. I cannot tell you, do this or do that. There's a scenario where he may take you for granted forever. There's a scenario where maybe he just needs somebody to step in and he will become a normal guy. I cannot tell. But I think that you need to come with him and see the counselors and pastors. And I I believe that after talking to him, there will be a way forward. But you shouldn't let him feel that He can also just do what he likes. There's something we call boundaries. And people must know that they have boundaries. You can't just go on and on and on. I'm always there, just there for you. No. I think that it is an unhealthy thing in that way. So I can't say do this or that, but I can say to you that you must try and have boundaries. You must talk to him or talk to somebody who can talk to him to really find out what is happening. And you may have to give him an ultimatum that I accepted first, second, please, this is going to be it. And then you move on from there. You have many choices, but at the end of the day, the choice is yours. And also being a lawyer, I don't make choices for people. I leave the choices to them. Amen? (laughs) Is it biblical for a brother or a sister to stand on behalf in marriage, assuming the main person is out of a country. It's not biblical, it is customary. 
it is allowed under Kashmir law. So somebody's not stunting, but the two families contract the marriage with your consent. I've married. I have married for well, for over 23 years. And my husband passed by me. Okay, bypassed me to marry another woman who the family said is not recognized in case he does will give all the things to the other woman he dies they will give everything to the other woman I'm well married where do I stand I don't know your definition of well married but if you've been married for 23 years and you are legally married I think that's it expression you are looking for. If you are legally married, then this woman is not a legal wife. And if your husband dies, unless he makes a will to the contrary, if he dies intestate, the woman is not a wife. You know, but if you've been married for 23 years, I don't know when this problem has begun that all these things are going on. So, we we'll need a, a few more facts to determine what type of marriage you are in and what you can do. Okay. I hope I've answered your question. Lady Reverend, God bless you. I got married in the church, and at that time, the church was a new branch. We were married, and, and but not signed, but signed at the registrar generals. Then you are married. Just in church, we didn't sign. You can't sign twice. You signed at Registrar Generals, it is a marriage, okay? So once you have your certificate, it is a marriage. But you may want to come and have a blessing over it to have the spiritual dimension. Please, I would like to know whether an engagement or customary marriage without it being registered is still recognized by law. Yes, it is. It is, but it's sometimes more difficult to prove. So if in the modern times, Casmary marriage has come registrable, and you are marrying in these modern times, then you should do it. A wife was told by her husband that he has three children with another woman who has gone to marry customarily without her knowledge. The wife has been married under the ordinance in the church, a Christian marriage. The man is asking for divorce. What should she do? The, de the decision lies with her. It's entirely hers. If she wants to continue in this way, it will be up to her. But biblically, she has a right to divorce the man. Because Jesus said, you have a right to divorce in cases of adultery. Not that you should always exercise that right, but he says you have that right. Please, if your husband is having extramarital affairs, is it good to ask him to use a condom? I think so. Because it's a very serious thing now in this world. Amen? I just dealt or encountered a situation like that a few weeks ago. Innocent woman contracts from her husband HIV. You know, and they are well advanced in age. Well advanced in age. And she has to nurse him as well. I'm a lady of 23 and my beloved is 30 and a pastor. We are planning to get married, but I'm now entering the law school. How can I be in school and not get pregnant when I'm married? I don't like family planning medicines and injections because I fear it can prevent me when I want a child. Well, you are deciding to marry at 23. The law says that marriage is between two consenting adults. So at 18, you are deemed... Uh, to have full capacity, although I don't think you're mature to marry. So either you ask your beloved to wait for you. He's 30. He also wants to marry and get on with his life. Or you combine all. One of my mates, she was sitting in the last paper in law school when her waters broke. And so the whole class has owned that baby. She's called class of 1988. And when we celebrated our 25 years at the bar, she came. She had a special invitation, class of 1988. And when we had the special service here, she also came. 
And when it's her wedding, we are there, we contribute to everything in her life because we feel that she was born in our midst. So all these things are possible. People marry and they go to school. People marry and they have children, but it's your preparedness to pay the price. So it depends on you, whether you can juggle or what you decide to do. Amen. I think that if I had married at 23, I wouldn't see talk, but I don't know. I don't think I could have married in school. My husband says that if he had to live his life again, he would marry in school, but I wouldn't because I think marriage has more implications for a woman than a man because I don't want, I'm learning constitutional law and you are standing on me, where is your food? And then I want to wake up and learn, then you want me to do other things. Look, decide, okay. My husband is not able to plan his time well and it's always late. We go to church late. We always go to church late. I ask, he irons on Saturdays, but he says he won't. We are always late to places, even to this conference. What should... What should I do? I think if it's possible, you should leave him and go to where you are going, if it is possible. Because that may change him. Tell him, honey, I would like to wait for you. But your lateness is very serious. And I think it's affecting us seriously. Or iron his shirt for him. If he says he won't do it, you do it for him. Men need to be organized. If you don't organize them, they'll wear one thing for a long time. And when they finish to, they'll be looking for it when you have discarded it. I'm dialing your number, Pastor Ben. So you can organize him to help him to be early. Okay? Amen? So find ways. My future husband is not from the same church like, I, like me. I want to know if the fact that he's not from my church can be a problem in our marriage. Well, sometimes it creates a problem for the couple, like maybe his church is having a convention, yours is not. And then yours has a convention, he is not. So sometimes it plays, but sometimes couples are able to arrange their lives well and flow with it. But oftentimes, I think the best is to be in the same church because you are under the same teachings, the same philosophies, the same beliefs, and that helps you. But if you can't help it, then you have to manage and you can still have a good thing in that. Okay? So I hope I've answered your question. What are daily activities you do in order to build a, a long-lasting relationship. But this one is a preaching topical. <laughs> Daily activities, working in love, being kind to one another, all the things that Pastor Andy talked about. I think if you speak with grace every day, you forgive every day, you are gentle every day, the fruits of the Spirit, I think that that will go a long way. Okay? You cancelled this, so I don't know whether... When knocking is done, does, what does the knocking mean in courtship of taking the step? Can I? What does the knocking really mean in courtship? Knocking means, I hear that, I don't know, I'm not so customary, but I hear that knocking gives and affords the two families the opportunity to meet each other formally and to start planning the customary marriage officially. Because if you haven't met, I don't know you, you don't know you, and then we are all planning engagements, a bit funny. So knocking affords that opportunity. And it's called knocking because you are going to somebody's home to take something. So you are knocking, but you haven't entered yet. So knocking is serving the people notice that I will soon be entering your family. But I don't, it's not marriage. And knocking is not something you break. Customary marriage is something you dissolve, but knocking, you just leave it. Good evening, ministers. Hey, please, my question is, my answer is building on family land. Whilst nothing has been done with others, whenever I raise a topic on this issue, there's no peace in the house. So I've decided not to raise this issue again. Please, I need your advice. 
because his family members are encouraging him on what he's doing. Well, in law, whatever you put on land belongs to the owner of the land. Unless there's an agreement to the contrary. So I always advise even church members, do not build on family land. Because when you build on family land, it is family property. And if the family is giving you family land, then they must give you a proper conveyance. They should convey proper title that the family is giving it to you, Mr. X, without any encumbrance whatsoever. Then you can say it's your land and you can invest in it. But if it's family land, the title is family land, that you've come to build on it, it is not yours by law. And it is not a wise thing. You can't do things by goodwill because human nature changes so much. You must do things by contracts and by proper signing. You know, so I say, oh, gentleman's agreement, oh, because it's you, what signing to? Because it's him, that's the more reason why you should sign. So that you, you, you preserve the relationship. My wife is more committed at church than home. How do I handle such a situation? My, my wife is always not having money and she's working at a good place. <laughs> Maybe it's her spending habits. Maybe she spends more than she earns. Or maybe more of the responsibility is on her than on you, you know? So I don't know why she doesn't have money. But you can have a discussion, amicable, not a discussion where you are going to just point fingers and accuse her. But amicable, let her feel that it's something to help her. And when she's like that, you may sit down and ask her, so this month, what did you save? What did you use your money for? Okay, can we make an agreement that after tithe, you will save 10% of your money, no matter how much you earn and all that, and that may help her. And also you said she's more committed in church than at home. There has to be a balance. So come and see her pastor, or go and see whoever her pastor is, and talk to the pastor about it, instead of being an angry, sulking husband and then see what can be done. But before then, I think that couples must be able to communicate about what they are not happy with. You may not be happy with something, but it doesn't mean you should insult the person, use foul language. You just have to discuss that, you know, I feel that, I feel neglected. I feel that the home is suffering. Can we have a balance? How do you think we can do? What can I do to help you? Then you are getting somewhere. But when you sit in a judge's seat, you won't get far. What do you advise for couples for whom the damage seems beyond repair? Nothing is beyond repair in God's eyes. He says that I will give you beauty for ashes. So whatever is destroyed even to ashes, God is able to give you beauty. So far as the two of you are committed to letting God have the ashes so that he can lead you into beauty. There's nothing that is impossible with God. When and how should a will be done? I think that once you start working, you should have a will because, well, you should think about certain things like social security. Sometimes people start working and when they are paying social security, they are single. But later you marry, you have children. And the social security is still in your mother's name. You may need to change that. And then some people say, oh, but Lady Reverend, I don't have anything, I just have an account. But even an account, you can will it to your children. And a will is quite a straightforward document. It just has to have certain things in place. There must be two independent witnesses. Um, You must have done it of your own volition, your own will. You must have full capacity. That means your mind is working well. It's not that you are sick mentally. You may be sick, but it shouldn't affect your mental faculties, and then you must be able to know the things you have and whether you have the power to give them, because people will things that don't belong to them. Like this man who is building on the family land, and they go and write a will and will that house to their children. You can't do that, because whatever stands on the land does not belong to you. It belongs to the owner of the land. So I think that whenever you have anything, you should make a will. And you can always change it. You can always change it. 
I am the woman. What do you do when your mother comes to stay with you? And when you tell her to leave, she, she feels you haven't spoken to her well. Well, you apologize. And you try to say it the way that she will understand. Your mother has come to live with you. You think she has overstayed her welcome. There's a way of going about it. And there's a way also of even seeing her off. And also, why does she want to stay with you? Is it because things are hard? She's not well looked after? What is it? Is she sick and she needs help? It depends on all those circumstances. And why do you want to drive her away so much? Is it that you don't have room? She's nosy? Or what is it? We've had our customary marriage 15 years ago and our ordinance marriage four years ago. Please, uh, when do we celebrate our anniversary? <laughs> you can celebrate 15 years ago, it's fine. It's only legally you're not married. How do you deal with a sibling who does not listen to any advice you give her, even if you feel you've prayed enough for her? At a point, even pastors, we can't force people. We can just give you the counsel of God. And if you decide not to take it, sometimes we can't shove it down your throat. So we have to leave you to your own devices. So sometimes you just leave the person. Or if it's a child, you put um, sanctions in place to deter the person. But barring that, it's not every body you can control. What do you do to make your wife open up for sex after you've taken her out, treated her nicely? When it gets to sex, she becomes adamant and she keeps postponing. <laughs> you see, you took her out to sow seeds and you were treating her nicely to sow seeds. It's nice. But when you make it obvious that the only reason why you are being nice is only this one thing. You know, she doesn't also feel so. And then also, I think that most men don't take their time to find what works for a woman. You know, I said earlier that a woman is like a pressing iron. She doesn't come on immediately. A man is like a light switch. As soon as you pray, pray he has come on. Pray on the wall. He's come on. And a woman takes time, like a pressing iron, to heat. So if the man would learn what makes the wife come around. Having said that, I know that wives are known to give a lot of excuses. But like I said on Thursday, the Bible says you do not have power over your own body. So sometimes it's because we don't believe the scripture and we think our bodies belong to us. That is why we don't give it to the owner. Do you see? But the Bible says the owner is your husband and your husband's body also belongs to you. So if we had that in perspective, like Reverend Andy said, a lot of problems will be solved. So I would say, find out what works for your wife and also tell her that what she's doing is really paining you and you would like her to change. Let me tell you something, brothers. One of the shocks to a woman when she marries is how important sex is to you. It's a shock that it can make you so angry, you slam the door, but when you leave, she stands, oh, but this one too, you know? So, yeah. But, like the verse that was read, let each esteem the other better than himself. So when you esteem your partner's interests and what is dear to him as dear to you, I think that it goes a long way to enhance the marriage. Is it always good to marry your friend? Hey. Pastor Andy will talk about that tomorrow. And what if they never show an interest in you? And then why would you like to marry them? Your, your question is, a, uh, as a young woman, is it good to marry a man who is seven years younger than you? A man sees you and says, I want to marry you, but you don't know him at all. You can always start from somewhere to get to know him. You don't just shoo him off because you don't know him. There's a starting point to know a person. Now you say, can you marry somebody you are younger than? I must say as a pastor that there's no hard and fast rule. But I have also come across situations where I spoke to the person and said, are you sure you want to marry an older woman? I'm sure that's all I want. Da, da, da. 
Within 12 months, marriage was over. Within 12 months, it was over. And he, he was given all sorts of excuses. So marriage is a covenant. And when you are bound by that covenant, you go the full length of it. So ask yourself, when this woman grows older and signs and wonders are showing, will you still love her? Because you say, in sickness and in health and in every situation till death you do part. So it's the same. Whether the age is younger, older, is the same. So it depends on you, the covenant maker. But you have to know that you are prone to think that this woman is older and you will move on your mind. And also if you marry her, let's say she may have um, childbearing problems, what are you going to say? She may or may not have. Are you going to say that that's why? It may not be why, because even younger women can have that challenge. So it depends on you and what you really want to do and the reality of things for you also. Amen. Derek Prince, the great Bible teacher, married a woman 26 years older than him. But he says that the reason why he did that was he got an explicit word from God and he married his wife right to the end. She was called Ruth Prince. He married her. They did ministry together and everything. He wrote a book and asked that the book be published after his death. I will encourage you to read it. It's a good life story on Derek Prince. And he said that when he got to, if his wife was 80, how old would he be? 50, 54. When he got to that age, he would go with his wife. And when he preaches, the people would say, your son preached so well. So how do you feel? Then the wife started to feel the age difference and started to even drink when she was not a drinker. She was a Christian woman. So marriage is for the long haul. But he kept his testimony and he was a happy man. He wasn't an unhappy man. But it would take a special calling to marry somebody 26 years older than you. Please, all the conference in Ghana on marriages, most of them is about pastors' wives. When would there be a conference also for lady pastors' husbands? When your husband is going after the small girls in the church, you are, you are, you are, uh, when your husband is going after the small girls in the church that you are building together, I think that every marriage conference that is biblical and Bible-based addresses all these issues. And you don't even need to be a pastor to be faithful. Maybe when you are a pastor, the Bible says that uh, there's a stricter punishment or a stricter judgment, sorry. But I think that all the conferences address all these things to husbands. So far as he's a husband, the conferences address him. And he's not supposed to be running around with little girls. <laughs> little girls in the church. So then you need help and counseling. And who his father, his father is, who can speak into his life. What is the recommended sex a week for couples married less than four years? Well, we have something called a sexometer in the marriage counseling manual. And in the sexometer, it is said that the Bible says, drink waters out of your own system. Huh? So, a system is giving you water. And then our, our pastors, in fact, my bishop, my husband asked, how often do you drink water? And then the church shouts every day. So if the Bible says, drink water out of your own system, what does it mean? It means you must have sex every day. <laughs> Recommended dose. And if for any reason you must adjust it, then it must be by mutual consent. Amen. <laughs> and we say that we use the sexometer to determine the temperature in the marriage. So we say that if for six weeks, is it, Bishop, nothing has happened. I've not looked at the sexometer for a while, but if for six weeks nothing has happened, query infidelity. Query infidelity. The counselor should call you 
and find out what's going on. What do you do if married to a man who always says, I don't marry to a woman? Must you always be the forgiver? I think that it is divine and spiritually more classy to forgive. So if he says he doesn't say sorry to any woman, it is unfortunate. And it shows that, it shows something about him. So you don't have to descend and scratch with the chickens, but learn to fly with the eagles by walking in forgiveness. And then also, that is why we have pastors, that's why we have people who can speak to them to change, because sometimes your voice is not heard. I'm married to a pastor and sex is a problem. I am the woman and I'm always the one who initiates and most of the time I receive a no. I'm not in the mood. (laughs) Some brothers can't believe it. He even says if a man is not in the mood, there's no erection. We women can pretend, but men can't because there will be no erection to penetrate. It's a big problem and I'm losing interest in it. You know, I have found as a marriage counselor that sometimes the men have erectile problems or health challenges and they are not able to share it or to tell you. So sometimes the lack of interest is not lack of interest, it's lack of ability to perform. Sometimes it's lack of interest because something has happened and he's still bearing that grudge and he has lost total interest in you. It shouldn't be the case, but that is the case. And so I think that you should seek help early. That's why we have churches, pastors, and counselors. And that's why we have even conferences like this. When a preacher man says women are not satisfying their husbands, I wish to shout, the men are now starving us. He rather sleeps with jeans and belt. He rather. (laughs) I am the type that wants air when I'm sleeping. So I'm naked like a banana. So please talk to the men for us. Because we then feel they are having an affair. Also query infidelity. Also query infidelity. It's not always the case, but... And then also... Although most men are sexual, not everybody's ability to eat is the same. So there are so many factors. So you need to see a counselor with your husband, and I hope that it can help. Don't suffer in silence. How can we avoid fornication before marriage when, we are, when you are aged? Uh, what does it mean? You are older. Uh, but you still have to f- avoid fornication is fornication whether you are old or hey can a Christian woman get married to a Muslim man and be happy and blessed I think you don't understand all that has been preached though. even this morning I addressed it how can we know our soulmate Reverend Andy will answer that tomorrow if a choleric man gets married to a male what will be the reaction, both negative and positive between them? The reason is that I heard you talking about sanguine men and male women and then choleric and phlegmatic. Well, you will still have the weaknesses of the various temperaments and it will have to be spirit controlled, whatever temperament it is. Lady Reverend, please, what do you do to a husband who has abandoned you and married outside the country with three children? Move on, I think. He has married, he has three children, he has moved on. Unless God tells you otherwise. Can a Christian marry without going through marriage counseling? Not advisable. I don't know, marriage counseling is a blessing. Why? Why? Is it a problem? Hmm. Please, Lady Reverend, if couples married under customary law and civil and have decided to divorce, is the court divorce alone enough? Or one has to till return the drinks. I think usually they just go to court and then they dissolve it. It depends on what the family wants, but usually. A man married a woman only for her to find out after about eight to ten years that 
the man had married a previous woman by ordinance, which preceded a customary marriage and was signed at the Church of Pentecost. She finds out now and she wants a divorce. As a Christian, can she divorce him? The previous woman is remarried, but the husband never divorced her. Well, there's, um, there's, there, there are different types of divorce. There's even constructive divorce. So there are different types of divorce. It's not only you go and I go and then we divorce. He has abandoned the person for so long. The years have passed by. She, she has remarried. He has remarried. So all the circumstantial evidence will point to that. So said that the law looks straightforward, but based on different, different facts, different, different things come into play. I hope you understand. So I don't think the marriage exists. What does God think about remarriage after divorce? I think that question has been asked. Um, I know God hates divorce. Why then are Christians now divorcing and remarrying and some churches look on? Because what it is is that at the end of the day, people take their own personal decisions and you cannot force them. Even God cannot force us. He may convince us. He may use things to pull our ears, but we still don't want, and we still do what we do. Sometimes also, we don't know all the facts. Sometimes I have been privy to a case where the woman was unfaithful, and then the man decided to put her away, biblically. But he didn't want to also tell everybody that the reason why I'm putting her away is because of infidelity, continuous interest. It's not nice. You know, so he didn't. So I would say, but the new generation of Christians does not fear God. I would say that. And we are looking for so many good reasons why we should divorce. Like Reverend Andy was saying, we say, my, my wife doesn't treat me well, so I have a right to. My husband doesn't treat me well. We have become like the world or worse. So I would agree with you that that's not the way. And then because we don't want to suffer. Suffering is not part of our theology. Suffering is not part of our doctrine, but the Bible says, they that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You suffer for what you believe. You suffer for what you have chosen. It is a narrow way, not a, a broad way. It is a straight and narrow way, and it, you pay a price to obey God. And sometimes the price is the marriage that you pay. Do you see? But Christians want comfort and also even... We divorce, and sometimes it's another woman in the church who is causing that. You know? But Jesus said that among the wheat, there will be tares. Among the sheep, there will be wolves. And they will be in the same place. So we have to be conscious of all that. So as Reverend Andy said, bottom line is the fear of God. And some people ask me, oh, but very great Christians, and then they don't follow Christ in some area. And I was asking God, how can people be, be so strong in you and seem to know you so well? And then in certain areas, you are not Lord. And I believe that there were many kings in the time of Israel. They did this, they did this, they did this, that pleased God, but they never took down the high places. So many Christians have high places or areas in their lives where God is not Lord. So we say he is Lord, but in the area of your finances, he's not Lord. He's Lord everywhere else. So we have invited him to certain rooms in our lives, but not the whole house. And that is giving us problems. So we may be very good worship leaders, whatever, but when it comes to a certain area, we are not Christians. We have not yielded everything. And we are not even bearing the fruits of the Spirit. So that's what I will say from the little I know. Amen. Don't worry, we are running to the finishing line, surprisingly. Do you stay with a guy who, when he gets angry, he won't pick your calls for days? Or should you just let him go? Well, if you are seeing this before marriage, like Reverend Andy said, God is giving you a blessing <laughs> to see things that otherwise would be hidden. So if this is what you are seeing, I always say what you see before marriage, multiply by a thousand, you will see it in the marriage. Whatever you don't like is by thousand, you know, so everybody has a left leg. 
So what you, you, you don't like in your spouse to be, you are going to experience it a thousand times. So if he gets angry, he doesn't pick your calls. Perhaps when you marry him, not only will he pick, not pick your calls, he will go out for four days, like I said on the first day. All these people are human beings, I know. Yeah. When he's angry, he goes out for four days. I used to work with a lady. When her husband, as for him, he's not angry, but they'll just leave home together. Okay, see you. She was also a lawyer. See you, whatever. Then when she comes to work, she'll say, hey, today I saw my husband. Said, ah, don't you, I know in the same house. So no. When we said bye-bye on Monday, I've not seen him till Friday, you know? So if he's not picking your calls at this stage, what about if you marry him and you upset him? He may not sleep at home. He may do some drastic things. So maybe, and often it is a warning sign for you to look more closely and take an informed decision. Amen. I'm sure you will hear more. All the single things. Look, Reverend Andy is coming to solve all your problems tomorrow. In this marriage issues, can there be anything like spiritual? That makes it not work. And what will you do? Yes, there are spiritual things that don't make things work. But the Bible says the word of God is also a hammer. So the word of God also brings deliverance. When Jesus was teaching in the temple, he was not even praying or casting out. But the demons started to shout, what do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Why have you come to destroy us before our time? What was he doing? He was just bringing forth the word. So as the word is also coming forth this evening, deliverance is happening. Demons are fleeing. Things are happening because the word of God is a hammer. Amen. What should the wife do if she has to initiate sex most of the time? But I believe that Satan attacks marriage a lot. Do you know why? Because when there's a healthy marriage, there will be a healthy family. When there's a healthy family, there will be a healthy church. When there's a healthy church, there will be a healthy nation. When there's a healthy nation, Jesus shall be Lord. So if you are Satan, you start early from the root so that it cannot advance to anywhere. So we have to, as Christians, be aware of that. What should the wife do if she has to initiate sex most of the time? He enjoys it and says thank you. Maybe it's your calling. So. How should I deal with a wife who argues a lot? I think you should communicate with her. Barring that, come and see your, go and see your pastor. And maybe talking to your wife can help. Or you can buy her a message. I have a message on remedies for contention. Contention is fighting, every day a fight, whatever. So you buy her that message, but don't buy that alone. Buy her Reverend Andy's book, this, that you, oh, this is for you. Then she will listen to it and not feel that you were out to get her. How do you deal with external family financial obligations? And at what point does one become a marriage counselor? Well, when you want to be a marriage counselor, First of all, usually you would have volunteered in so many other aspects. And then you'll be able to talk to your pastor about the desire. Pastor, I think I would like to work in this department. He may not employ you immediately. He'll take you through some training. He'll ask you to do other things. So if you are a willing and obedient vessel, then with time you will be trained and screened and all that goes with it. And then you can become a marriage counselor. But we need more hands. So if you want to be a marriage counselor, come. But don't come thinking that as soon as you come, you'll be appointed. And when you are not appointed immediately, don't get angry. Because the Bible says, prove all things to prove you. And then hold fast to that which is good. Amen. Please, is renewal of your marriage vows important? It enhances the marriage. It stirs up. The Bible says, you know stare one another, provoke one another to love and to good work. So it's a way of provoking love. What is the church doing to encourage it? Because it's done often. Well, if the couple want to do it, we do it for them. But it's not by force. How does it help the marriage? I've told you, provoking one another to love and to good works. Does it affect the marriage? Or I think it's, it's a good thing if you can do it. It doesn't always have to be a big celebration. You do it according to your pocket. Bishop Fabian had a beautiful marriage renewal and we're all happy. 
As a young, I, I also had it, and I was very happy. As a young minister in training, I spend most of my time in church and always get home late, wake up early for work, and come back late almost every day. Please help me. How do I work for God and not neglect my home? Have I not answered this question? And I think you should talk to your pastor too, to know how, because it can't be that you come to church every day. Every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It can be. At least as full-time as Monday is our day off. So what are you coming to do here? I don't know your church anyway. My sister's husband won't stay at home. He won't feed his family. He gives a little portion of his salary for housekeeping. Their rent is due, and he tells the wife to give their belongings out and go stay with the sister because he can't afford the rent. What should my sister do? She also doesn't have the rent. Hmm. Like Reverend Andy was saying, sometimes we see the signs, but we still go ahead. You know, so you should choose your head <laughs> with care because it's the head that determines where the body will work, will work. And also, if your sister doesn't have, what is she doing to help bring something to the table? Sometimes it's not any big capital. She can just start selling water. And water is something everybody needs. What is she good at? She may not need any big capital, but little by little, she can do something that can help the man. The virtuous woman, she considers a field and she buys it. Amen? So you should consider some help, financial, if possible. It's not always education. Sometimes the best business people rather did not even have formal education. So you may be able to help supplement his income. So let your sister also think of what she can do to help. And maybe, because maybe his job cannot um, shoulder all the responsibilities. Maybe he's also, and your sister and the husband are living beyond their means. Sometimes you can't afford a three-bedroom house. You have gone to buy it. And then some people are living in compound houses. From there, they will progress to one room, semi-detached. Then small, small, they'll be going. But maybe they are living in a place you can't afford. So you may have to cut your coat according to the fabric you have. Amen. Hey, Bishop Fabian, I'm finishing, but hmm. how can you cope with a man with children before marriage and after marriage? Bring more children to the marriage. My, husband, my mother says that this situation is called my children and your children are fighting with our children. <laughs> you have, I have, and we both have. So my children and your children are fighting with our children. But we have a chapter in the marriage book about the step home. The step home. The greatest stepmother I have ever seen is my mother. In fact, in my house, we don't even use that expression because it's not something we even say. My father, who was the common denominator, died six years ago. But by the grace of God, the ties that bind us are phenomenal because of the kind of woman it wasn't easy, but she tells me that she walked in the word. She embraced God. She said, whenever church opened, I was there. That is why I became the vice president of the Methodist Church in Ghana. I took all the examinations. I knew that God was the only one. And she said, I wasn't looking at the children. I was looking at God. So I was good to them because I didn't look at them to say, they've done this, so I'll do this. It's all, I wrote that chapter because of where I come from because the great example my mother has been to me. So you too, just walk in love as a Christian. And I think that God will help you. It may not be easy, but it is God who is the rewarder, not the children. But you know, I can say of a truth for my mother that that verse that says, her children rise and they call her blessed. There are 13 of us and we all rise and we call her blessed. So it is real. It can happen. And even other people are always telling her, write a book. You are a phenomenal woman. Write a book. She, she likes writing, but writing the book, maybe it's genetic. She's like her daughter. No, I don't think I can finish everything. So I'll do the last two, and then, okay. He's supporting me in my education by paying for books and pocket money. 
He belongs to another domination, a Protestant, and I'm charismatic. I believe I love him. Is this enough grounds to say yes? If he's a born-again Christian and he loves God and you know for sure, you can. My problem is I don't want to leave my church when we get married, if we have to. Please, what are the potential problems? I think we've answered that being in different churches and all that. And then also, if you know that you are well-fed in your church, you can bring your husband to come and eat the same pasture with you. Because in everything, we want to progress. But when it comes to the things of God, it's like that one, you stay mediocre and average, okay? So you should go to where you know you will grow more. A would-be couple have gone through counseling preparing for marriage. A medical report indicated that the man has a low sperm count. Really? Do you do sperm count before you marry? The lady is considering quitting as a counselor. What should you do? Well, she's considering quitting. She can quit. It's her decision. She's not married. So she has a leeway out, if that's what she wants. What is the appropriate age for marriage? I think I've answered that. Please, I still can't tell my temperament. It seems I have the bit of all the four. Ah, well, then you are all the four. Please, if your husband is having extra marital, is it good to ask him? Ah, yeah. If, if you are tried with house chores and he asks for sex, can you say I'm tired? Well, you will always be bogged down with house chores. So I think what you should do is to try and find a way to get help for the house chores so that you can be less tired. But even when you have help, you still get tired. So tiredness will never be, uh, it will never go away. So it's not a good excuse. So it's better you renew your mind and try and flow. God bless us all. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi. Or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.